Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and in this episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast, we are going to be starting a new series for the month of April, where we focus entirely on the inner work of conscious parenting. I'm bringing in some of my favorite guests, to teach us some really important concepts. We're going to be digging into how to get the pause so we can do the the inner work, then what that inner work sounds like, the hard stuff and the fun stuff, getting clear on our internal family of parts, kind of the voices in our heads, the different competing needs that sometimes it feels like all go on inside of us, and then get those parts working together for our own greater good and for the greater good of our parenting and our kids. And then finally, we're going to be wrapping up with how to have fun with our inner child. And finally, with an episode where I do some live coaching with one of my community members on these topics, this inner work stuff. So I'm really excited for this series, this focus that we're going to be having on the inner work of conscious parenting. And we're going to be dedicating this entire month of April to this really powerful and important work. If you want to dig into this work along with me as we move through this month of content, I want to invite you to download a journal, a companion journal that will help you in that process. So the journal you can get by going to laurafroyan.com slash inner work and you can download it right there and there's a couple pages for each of our guests that will walk you through some of the work that they suggest, some of the exercises and journaling prompts that they suggest. And this is just an invitation to get started on this really important aspect of conscious parenting because a lot of the parenting tips and advice and accounts out there want to tell you what to do and say with your kids. And that's great and wonderful. We need that too. But when it comes to conscious parenting, a big piece of that is understanding what is going on under the surface for us, what is driving some of our conditioned automatic responses, and working to heal those at their core so that we can be more healed and authentic in our everyday parenting. So that the things that, you know, from the scripts that we memorize, the tips that experts give us can flow freely from our mouths rather than as we, you know, attempting to kind of resist them, resist our instincts or our conditioning and deliver the statements that experts tell us we're supposed to say. I really want them flowing freely from your mouth so that they feel natural and aligned. And to get there, that takes inner work. And that's an important 
part of balanced conscious parenting is doing that inner work with lots of love and self-kindness and careful acceptance and attention and awareness. So that's what you're going to be invited to do the next four weeks on this podcast. I'm really excited for the guests I have lined up for you. And I hope that you will download the workbook so that you can come on this journey with me and get started on this really important aspect of conscious parenting. So again, you can get that workbook at laurafroyan.com slash inner work. All right, let's get to the first episode and I'll see you in there. Welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about inner child work, reparenting with my absolute favorite expert in this topic, Dr. Trish Phillips, the doodle doc on Instagram, who teaches this topic so beautifully with such joy and playfulness and compassion. Trish, I am overwhelmed at the idea that you're going to be on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Oh my goodness. Dr. Laura, I am so honored to be here with you. I watch your little reels and I just laugh. I just think you are so real and so relatable and it means so much to me. And this is a resource. You are a resource that I needed as a parent bringing up my children. My children are old now. My son is almost 27 and my daughter's 24. So to have these resources is just wonderful. Oh my gosh, you just made my year, I think. Yeah, I know. So we can gosh about each other all day long. (laughs) (laughs) So fun. But anyways, yeah. So I am Dr. Trish Phillips. People might know me as the Doodle Doc on Instagram. And, you know, the Doodle Doc is something that was born out of my son actually returning home from college from New York. So I'm in California. He went to college in New York. And the transition back was bumpy. And so he came back, he met his girlfriend there, she came back, a couple of friends came back. And so the girlfriend and the two other friends moved in together, he wanted to move home. But it was bumpy because, you know, he didn't really want to move home, right? He was he had been out and then he was here. And so it was just really kind of awkward. And, and all of these things came up. And so we had to navigate that. And all of their childhood, I just felt the importance of connecting with them where they were at, you know, to notice the human within this little person. Our society wants to shape and mold and put in boxes and, you know, get them to a certain level academically and all of this stuff. But who are they really deep in their souls, right? And so he has always been like an artist, a very creative person. And so we started connecting on this level. And I had these ideas coming forward of how to draw psychology, draw the implicit world, draw the inside out, and was kind of getting frustrated because, you know, of course, I always say I'm not an artist, I'm a psychologist. And, you know, he kept saying, mom, just draw, you know, start drawing. And he'd sit there and he'd show me, he'd say, to try this, try this. And I'd show him something and he'd show me how to make little arms or he'd show me this. And we started connecting in this way. And so that's how it was born. And then I kind of continued on with that, even despite, you know, all of our, the bumps and the connections and all of that stuff. And, you know, the relationship smoothing out as he transitioned back, but that's where the doodle dot came from. And what has come from that is just a beautiful community, you know, meeting people like you, you know, just our heartfelt, soul felt colleagues, you know, so it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. 
Oh, it's so beautiful. And, you know, you convey complex concepts that are hard to do, that people spend years in therapy attempting to learn and to put into place, and you convey them so succinctly in your drawings. It's beautiful. And, you know, there's moments in time where if I, you know, I have space of a few minutes and I want to do just a little bit of something for myself, instead of like mindlessly scrolling, I will purposely go to your page and just read it, like read through a few of those little doodles. But what I really appreciate how you teach inner child work and inner parts work. So I know my listeners are eager to learn about this because we intuitively sense as we're parents that there's something going on within us. There is a reason why our kids push our buttons, that there is these little triggers, these little landmines throughout our day with our kids. And I think that parents know there's work there to do, but they don't know how to do it. Yeah. I think inner child work is a great way to do that work. Yeah. And this is part of the intergenerational healing that comes from doing this inner child work. Because like you said, we often don't know what is wrong, but we know that something is being tapped into. And when we look at it from an attachment lens, it's like our attachment wounds are being opened up, mm -hmm. you know, and to be able to attend to that wound inside while parenting is such a balancing act. It's such an act of like self-love and other love with our children, you know, to be able to notice in the moment that, okay, this is mine. It's not theirs. They are being a child. You know, and if we listen, children don't come into the world with the filter that we're raised with, right? They don't come in with that. So they can actually be our teachers because they will be our correctors. They'll tell us, you know, they'll look at us and be shocked when if we're angry or something like that, or we snap, they'll look shocked mm -hmm. because they honestly don't know in that moment what they've done. And so at that moment, we if we can be calm enough, centered enough, or come back to ourselves enough, and it's not 100%, hello, right here, you know, <laughs> right. I promise you, daily, I still have this, you know, but, you know, to be able to notice it, and to stop for a moment, and to see the child and say, oh, okay, they didn't understand that reaction, I don't understand that reaction. And so I have this acronym that I use, pause. And so really quickly, it's just, you know, the word pause automatically brings a sense of stop, calm, mm -hmm. and the P is to pause and breathe. So I pause and breathe. And then right, I take my hand and I put it on my heart. That reminds me stop, pause, breathe. And then I go into the A and the A is to attend inside. So what part of me is coming alive or being activated? by the situation I'm in right now. It can be with my child, it can be with my partner, it can be with my coworker, it can be you know, someone at the market, it can be anything. And so what is happening right here? And then the you is the unfolding, the untangling. So being able to address and say, okay, what is going on? What am I needing? What was activated? I usually find that in my reaction. Mm -hmm. So the inner child is very reaction-based. You know, so unfolding, what is my reaction? And then going into the S, so it's the soothing. Like, I see you. I got you. It's okay. We're okay. Really quickly, right inside. Hand still on heart. Mm -hmm. And then the E is the exhale. So those five steps right there, I can do pretty quickly. And it's just like, we have five fingers, five steps. The pause right there. Oh just to gosh. be able to, yeah, and to hold that part. So to check in, 
what part of me has been activated. Yeah. And I feel like we could break down every step of those and how often they are the very things that we didn't learn how to do growing up. We didn't learn to attend to what's going on inside of us to check in. We didn't learn how to soothe ourselves. We learned how to stuff, you know, how to not have to deny, to dismiss, you know, and there's these little ones inside of us who are carrying that, you know, and need just as we are parenting our kids with compassion and empathy, those little ones inside us need reparenting too. I'm so curious about that. Like, how do we do that proactively? How do we do that? in the moment when we've been triggered right and it's not always easy to catch so you know it isn't always easy to catch but we do it like Winnicott said good enough right a good enough parent we don't have to get it right all of the time and in fact, we you know, shouldn't get it right all the no, time. No, no, it's the rupture and repair. So, yeah. you know, actually we don't get it right a lot of the time. And so it's through the repair and the internal repair, the noticing back, oh, I'm activated again. Oh, I'm reacting again. Oh, I'm angry at my child again. Oh, I'm feeling anxious or depressed again. I want to reach out for a piece of cake or a glass of wine. What's going on? You know, what is happening right now? So that's the point of mustering up. Let me say mustering up the most loving, nurturing, caring inner parent that we can find. That nurturing mama, papa, we can find in that moment. So the way that we do that is we can often find it outside, right? We think, how would I talk to a friend? How would I talk to my child in the days that I'm the most compassionate, the times when I can really see that they're hurting and I'm not personalizing it? How would I talk to them? So finding that same voice for ourselves. Oh my gosh, it's so important, Trish, what you're saying. You know, I think so many of the parents that I work with are so beautiful, so loving, so forgiving, so compassionate with their children, with their partners, with their friends. And yet internally, they use the same shame language, the same critical voice that they had used against them as they were coming up and that internal voice is so hard to change when it's it is. all we know it is yeah the blame the guilt the shame yeah. that critical inner voice mm-hmm. and that could be a voice inside that really needs a lot of attending to so that voice is also i always look at all of the parts as protectors yeah so what is that voice or that part, that critical part trying to protect you from, you know, there's a big pull in society to do parenting right. There's a lot of pressure. I didn't even realize when I had a child that it came with like a big dose of guilt. You know, it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, am I supposed to work? Am I supposed to parent? You know, it just starts off immediately. Am I doing it right? Yeah. And especially now too, when it's all on display. Oh my goodness. That's why I feel so committed to showing up as imperfectly mm-hmm. as possible to mm-hmm. to my community so that they know that even those of us who are supposed to know what we're doing, we still are human. We still make mistakes. We still rely on the beauty of rupture and repair to build resilient, healthy relationships. 
Right. Yeah. I think it's so important that like cultivating that kind, compassionate inner voice, you know, when you were talking, my hand went to my heart. And that's because, you know, when I do self-compassion meditations are like what has helped me the most. And whenever I do them, I always put my hand on my heart so that anytime I'm feeling a little bit of something bubbling up within that hand on my heart, always just brings me into a compassionate place it's like a little positive trigger is what I call them like there's Mm -hmm. we always think about triggers as negatives you know things that send us down a path but we can use them for good too you know we can use our habit brain for good right it's like an anchor yeah yeah. it's just an immediate reminder no I'm here too Mm -hmm. I can breathe too I need a break too. We think that we have to give our children breaks, but no, the truth is we need to find those little breaks too. Yeah. Cause you can't give what you don't have, right? Like it has to come right. within you and bubble up freely in order to be given without resentment. Right. And from a brain perspective too, if we're not able to be in our safe zone, if we're in an activated state, if we're in sympathetic arousal, which is anger, anxiety, you know, anything like that, the fight or flight, then we're not actually going to be there in presence with our child anyway. Yeah. And our states regulate their states, right? Absolutely. Especially the young ones, they're very in tune with what's going on with us. Yeah. That's all they have. Right. Yeah. That's like basically what six and below is just you know, really sponge and really just learning by looking and by seeing and by what's around them using all their senses to be that sponge to take in, oh, this is what mommy and daddy's look like, or this is what mommy and mommies look like, you know, this is what my family looks like, this is what it's like, oh, people get upset with each other, oh, people cuddle, you know, Mm -hmm. they learn by seeing They don't learn by language yet. They take it in full embodied. I mean, we can learn from them to go back into a full embodied place. And so from a brain, a relational place, if I'm not in a place where I can feel my body, then I know it's not a good time to have a conversation with my children. If I'm completely in my, you know, researching logical brain over here, my left brain, then I'm going to miss something. Mm-hmm. I might be able to help them plan for a project and make a list, but connection wise, mm-hmm. that's probably not what they're needing. And so I let them know, I can let them know now that, you know what? Hey, mom needs a break right now. Let me just take five minutes to unwind. You know, I just saw a bunch of clients. Let me just take a couple minutes. And then I center myself. I do some breathing exercises and then I go back out. And that that is that. And they don't feel like I'm not there for them. You know, it's actually teaching our children that they can ask for that too. It's permission giving. Another guest that was on the podcast a bit ago said that we are walking advertisements for adulthood. You know, I love it. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. We are showing them how to be in conscious, healthy relationships with others and with ourselves all the time. Yeah. I wanted to ask something from something you said a little bit ago, if you don't mind, if it's okay. Uh, You were talking about how some of these critical voices, that if we start viewing them as protectors, as having mm -hmm. had a role in our survival and our safety over time. And you mentioned even a little bit before that about some attachment woundings. And I have my own ideas about how all those things are connected, but I think you'll probably have some really cool insights too. Can we talk a little bit about those, about how our early relationships, how they form our internal working model? 
models of ourselves and others and what it takes to be safe and loved and then how that informs kind of how we show up in the world the masks that we wear the way that we approach the world to keep ourselves safe absolutely yeah so there's the basic attachment style so the anxious attachment and that could internalize as this really anxious place inside always fearing that someone's going to leave. And so you could see that with your child as maybe like a separation anxiety, really worried and fearful. And then there's also the avoidant where, you know, feeling like you're always overwhelming someone, the child could internalize that. They're overwhelming the parent and the parent could actually feel overwhelmed by their child. And they don't want to feel overwhelmed or anxious by their child, both of these styles. They don't want to. So then that could internalize as a sense of shame inside. Mm -hmm. This deep feeling inside, this little part, like the inner child holding this, like, you know, I should be better at this. Or the parent feeling like I shouldn't be reacting. I shouldn't feel like my child is putting upon me but really feeling like I can't do this. So I know I've worked with a lot of people with inner child work who have children who just feel like, you know, either if they're coming from a trauma background that I'm going to wound them in the same way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to neglect them. I'm not going to be able to know how to be there for their emotions because my parent didn't know how to be there for my emotions. They would just go away Mm -hmm. or they're going to overwhelm me and I'm going to need to, you know, run away. I'm going to need to give them to my partner and then I'm going to bail out some way and go do something either self-destructive or numbing. Mm -hmm. And then just holding that as like, there's something wrong with me, that wound coming back in that there's something wrong with me. But I always remind all of my people that I work with is that everybody on the outside is there to be our mirror, especially our children. Mm -hmm. You know, they are absolutely our best mirrors. And so, you know, for myself, I know I had two different distinct attachment styles with my parents. With my mom, it was very much an avoidance. She was, you know, now we know she would have been diagnosed like a probably clinically depressed. And so she was very much, you know, absent a lot of the time. And I was the youngest and my siblings were much older. So I was very much alone a lot of the time. So I was always trying to get her attention. And my dad was, I have an anxious attachment with him because he had the opposite attachment. And then I'd watch their style go back and forth between them. And so I can have both of those reactions in my relationships with my kids. And it could, you know, even get overwhelming at times, you know, where sometimes where I would feel fearful, it might come out as, you know, like maybe commanding or like angry or something like that. You know, my children would even tell me, you know, they'd be like, mom, you know, I think that you're mad at me, but you seem like you're worried, but you know, and so this confusion and they clarify it back to me. And I'm like, you know, you're right. I am actually feeling worried, but it's coming out as me being agitated or something like that. And so that's me going back and checking in and saying, okay, what is being activated here? You know, what do I need to soothe inside? Because you know, my own worry or my own not being cared for, attended to is coming up. Yeah. I love what you're saying about this mirror piece. I think so often as parents, we say, my kids are triggering me, you know, my Mm -hmm. kids just trigger me. And 
it puts a little too much on the kids, I think. And I really want to encourage parents to own their triggers, you know, so if we're thinking about the kids are holding up a mirror and shining a light on where your trigger is, they're not doing anything, they're being a kid, you know, and in their kidness, in whatever they're doing, it's highlighting. I sometimes think about ourselves as kind of like, almost like geodes and our kids crack us open and shine a light kind of on all of the dark shadowy bits and all the crystals too. I have one kid who does a beautiful job of showing me where I have healing and self-love to do because she's so much like me and all of the ways that she's like me are the parts that were layered in with shame and not okay and you won't be lovable if you're this way you know she has all of those parts and so she's a beautiful invitation to self-love for me but my other one all of the parts of me that were accepted and loved are there too you know and so like she helps me reflect on all the parts of me that have always been easy to love and my other one helps me see all the parts that were lovable always but that is harder for me to love you know I think our yes beautiful job of those things I love that so much I think it is it's very much illuminating the shadows yeah very much so and we often get really afraid of the shadows yeah. and so finding a way to be able to be okay with these different little parts inside that the shadow parts that you know have been like you said layered in the shame been given shame words associated with them guilt words and blame words associated with them maybe have that critical voice that can yell at them mm-hmm. you know to keep them quiet the protector loud voice keeps them quiet by yelling at them to stay down and that protector you know has always just been doing their best too, yeah. to keep the system safe, the internal family system to keep you loved. And I think that's something that comes out a lot too, when our kids do do the things that we were punished for. Our protectors yeah. are scared for us inside, but they're also scared for our kids because yeah. we love our kids. We want our kids to be safe. And if you know the protectors learned like that's something that loses you love, then they are going to want to shut it down, not just in us, but also in our kids because they want our kids to be loved. This is what I think anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think like what you were saying too, I know with my son, he was very much the one that would shine the the sparkly, you know, pink unicorns on me, you know, just like it, it was just so glorious, right? Yeah. And then the return from college was just so shocking that it was so different. And it really forced me to be able to look inside because of course, the struggle that I had the hardest time with in my life was individuation. And so this, of course, is that bump that we hit. And, you know, my kids have this ego strength that is like, they're not going to, you know, let me overpower them with whatever I can do, you know, like the parent role, they're going to stand there and they're going to say, wait, mom, I think this is yours. You know, they'll actually tell me they're like, mm. I remember in seventh grade, he was going off to middle school. And he told me one time, he said, it was the first day I'm like, oh, this is so sad. You're going to middle school, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was doing my song and dance, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, mom, I think this is your issue. I'm really excited. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my gosh. You know, yes. I, I think for everybody listening who's got young kids and who was not raised this way, it is so helpful to hear yeah. from someone who raised their kids consciously and yeah. compassionately and respectfully and to be kind of who's on the other side of that and it's also so comforting to know that this journey is never over that we are always learning and doing this stuff oh my gosh and you know I love that you're so open to taking feedback from your kids that's something that I also 
receive a lot of feedback from my kids. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's all good. Like, I mean, there was one time I was stressed about something with work and I was kind of being short tempered with the people in my family. And she was seven at the time. She goes, mom, you're playing emotional hot potato with your feelings right now. You're stressed about something and you're trying to give us your hot potato and we don't want it. <laughs> oh just, my god! You know, I mean, she was just so, and I was like, yeah, you're right. I am stressed and I'm being short tempered. I'm going to go take care of myself. And she goes, good. Okay. See you later. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that. And see, that's the thing. And I hear that you do too, is I want parents to know is there is no getting it right the first time. It's like, we don't have to in the training to give like your daughter the language to be able to say that that language comes from many experiences so many (laughs) right yeah and same with my son you know seventh grade coming back from college so many experiences of being able to have that voice and that voice is what they're going to need outside of the house like let's let these children practice here in a safe environment and, you know, if we can make it safe within ourselves to be able to be real and to be honest. Yeah. You know, I think that a lot of the parents that I hear from their deepest fear is that they will wound their kids in the way that they yes. were wounded growing up. Yes. And do you have a message for them? Do you have something to say to them? I believe that if we can go to that wound, if we can turn, I always like to use the metaphor of like turning the flashlight. We like to shine the flashlight outside. You know, when we hold a flashlight, we look and it's like a big circle on the outside and we look to see what is wrong out there and we can find it and we look and we can blame. And if we can gently turn the flashlight back around on ourselves and start to move it around a little bit and we put the light in there, that the wound isn't as threatening as we think it's going to be. Yeah. We think it's going to level us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because childhood, you know, often felt very threatening and very scary and very uncertain. But with all that we know now, with the adult self on board, that inner parent on board, turning the flashlight around, we can illuminate safely. We can find safe ways just by even breathing, just by, you know, going out in nature, by just stopping for a minute, taking the kids to the park, you know, changing the scenery. Yeah. You, something you just said there, I want to pull out and hold to the light that, you know, these wounds were created when we were kids and we didn't have the wise in our parent, the compassionate in our parent um, that we now get to be. So it can be quite scary to think about going and looking at them and working with them. Yeah. But it's so important to just reassure yourself that you're not doing it alone anymore. You're, this little part of you is not alone anymore. They have this wise, compassionate in our parent. It's you. You get to be there for yourself in a way that you needed and deserved as a kid. So one other thing too, just, you know, I know I want to be so respectful of your time, but one thing that I love that you bring to the table, to the conversation on inner child work and reparenting, because that conversation can often be quite heavy. We talk a lot about wounds and a lot Mm -hmm. about that kind of healing work. And I love that you bring the joy and fun side of connecting with your inner child to that Mm -hmm. conversation. So we've talked a little bit about how do we find our wounds? How do we heal our inner child? But how do we go about finding our joyful inner child? Like giving them permission to kind of come out and bring that childlike quality to our everyday lives. Absolutely. I think that's so important. And I keep hearing that a lot that, you know, the joy piece is often missing because we think of inner child work and we think of trauma and they are very interwoven but 
It wasn't all of it. And what happened is the brain fired and wired in the trauma. It just lit up brighter in the trauma. And even if we don't have a conscious memory of it, the body holds a very subconscious, implicit memory of it that it can get lit up again by something on the outside. That is the threatening piece. It feels very scary. But what we can do, what neuroplasticity shows us and resilience shows us, is that we can find those moments of joy, because those are there too in childhood. It just is, it can be often scary to go back and find them because they could be linked with something that feels painful. And so it's almost to start taking that risk in the present. So I like to look at like, what brings you that spark or joy now? And it doesn't have to be a childlike thing. I mean, Honestly, for me, I mean, the thought of getting up and making a cup of coffee in the morning is like, boom, you know, I just feel inside of me, my whole body lights up. That's a very adult thing, right? But the feeling inside could be described as very childlike, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's exciting to me. You know, it just feels really good. So I look for those kind of things to get in touch with the inner child. And it could be something as simple as, you know, going out and picking some flowers or attending to a garden or playing with your children, noticing which toys of theirs you're most drawn to, which books you like to read, which stories resonate with you, maybe what it's touching inside. Why do you want to read that story over and over again? Yeah, it sounds like a lot of curiosity. Yes, open-heartedness, warmth, just a gentle checking in, just a tenderness, you know, all these words that kind of just get pushed away a lot in adulthood. You know, we are busy and parents are so busy, so so busy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so at the time of this recording, we're in the midst of my 30 days of play challenge and yeah. You know, I mean, so right now the parents who I'm leading through this challenge are getting in touch. They're remembering what they like to play with. They are noticing what they're drawn to in their kids' play, what they're drawn to in their homes. They're figuring out, why have I left play behind? What does play mean for me now? You know, it's funny, like young adults before motherhood and before the responsibilities of adulthood, I think are quite good at playing you know yes then we at some point lose it as we take on other responsibilities I mean I guess the massive responsibility of raising humans is pretty big you know but play is so important and and then I don't mean like play necessarily yes it's great to get on the forum and play with your kids but I play with my kids by coloring with them or absolutely you know there's lots of ways to play that light you up yeah yeah right cooking with them taking them out in the garden it's all play Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, you know, if we just look at like everything we're doing, we're learning, yeah. you know, and we're learning through that play and it's just we're choosing it to call it something different. I love that. I love this balance of, you know, yes, there's this hard work, this inner healing work, but there's also this joyful work. There's yeah. this light you up work too. To right. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, so thank wonderful. you so much for this conversation. I appreciate everything that you offer. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, thank you for all you're doing. I mean, you know, to raise our children with, you know, just warmth and just to know that they have a place that's safe, you know, a relationship that's safe. Because sometimes we can't always provide the environment that, you know, we don't have the funds or we don't have the money or, you know, it's just not possible. But there's a pandemic, you know. Right. (laughs) But just remember that it's the relationship. It's just being able to see your child and just to be in that relationship with them. That's safety. That's the co-regulation. That's nervous system to nervous system, right brain to right brain. Being able to be there with them. And imperfectly because, you know, just exactly as you are, that you're good enough just as you are. So are they. And it's all it is, is about that relationship. Right. Beautifully said. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Laura. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast and if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of, um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, And definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, That's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.